3: Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where this week we bring you our review of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Flandt, movie buff.
4: And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And
3: we love to talk all things movies.
4: And in this episode, we're talking Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, which follows Queen Ramonda, Shuri, Mbako, Okoye and the Dora Malaji as they fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. When the king of a hidden undersea nation alerts them to a global threat and his disturbing plan to thwart it, the Wakandans band together with the help of war dog Nakia and Everett Ross to forge a new path for the kingdom of Wakanda.
3: Black Panther Wakanda Forever is directed once again by Ryan Coogler from a screenplay by Coogler and Joe Robert Cole.
4: The movie stars Letitia Wright, Lupita Nyong'o, Denai Gurira, Winston Duke, Florence Kasumba Michaela Cole, Martin Freeman, and the one and only Angela Bassett. Oh,
3: Angela Bassett. Bow to the Queen. Bow to the Queen.
4: Before we jump into this review, yeah. I just want to warn people to be prepared. Okay, very important here. Mm-hmm. Because the opening credits stabbed me in the heart.
3: And twisted it a few times, oh, right?
4: gosh. Instead of the Avengers theme, it was just completely silent. Yeah. I've got jewels. Yeah. And every piece of footage was Chadwick Boseman.
3: It was such a beautiful touch and it really does disarm you and prepares you for how emotional this movie, for a lot of it, is, especially in how they deal with the death of T'Challa and then vicariously the death of the actor Chadwick Boseman, who tragically died from pancreatic cancer Mm -hmm. back in 2020. A really unexpected, beautiful touch.
4: It makes sense that they went that way. You wouldn't have the Avengers theme running or whatever it is. Is it called the Avengers theme? I think it's called the Avengers theme. Yeah. Yeah, we're coining it. But it it makes sense to do it with silence, but the silence hits like a hammer. Oh, my goodness. It's deafening, isn't it? And throughout the film, they utilise that silence again whenever there's a big moment to do with S'Challa. So when his death and the funeral procession, Mm. a lot of it is in silence as well.
3: Well, look, you've already brought up the elephant in the room here. Obviously, the death of Chadwick Boseman Mm. shocked the world. Because he suffered cancer in secret. It sent ripple effects through the MCU. What do we do next? Because he was the hero. He was Black Panther. They were
4: setting him up for so many appearances in the MCU.
3: And the first Black Panther film back in 2018 was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. In representation, it was insane. It is my favourite MCU movie, Black Panther.
4: Absolutely one of my favourites too. Yep.
3: So, what a task ahead of them.
4: And there was a lot of internet discourse about whether or not they should address the death, whether they should recast it. Yeah. I think they've gone about it the right way. I can understand the chatter about it's turning his death into entertainment, mm. but but I think they've navigated those waters really well and they don't do that.
3: And the film opens with addressing his death immediately. Yeah. So they don't beat around the bush, they go straight to it.
4: I found that interesting, that they dive us straight into while he's dying. Yes. I mean, we don't see anything. It's all happening off screen. Mm. But just the moment that Shuri uh, becomes aware that he's passed... And her grief it just oh, hits so hard.
3: Really? Oh, gosh. You could tell, and we'll talk about the performances later, but you could tell the pain. Mm. That The characters themselves were feeling and it was coming through the actor's performance because they were saying goodbye not only to T'Challa as characters, mm. but they were saying goodbye to Chaswick Boseman as a man. And
4: feeling his loss on set. Yeah.
3: Really felt that.
4: Then the movie jumps to a year later, mm. a year after his death, and Shuri still can't let go of her grief. And This is when we're introduced to the Talakan inhabitants who live secretly underwater mm. in this massive kingdom that's very similar to Wakanda but underwater.
3: It is very similar. And the point of difference here or the or the thing that stands out a lot is just like Wakanda wasn't known to the rest of the world and at the end of Black Panther they revealed themselves to mm. everybody – this underwater world isn't known not only to the world but even Wakandans. So they're like, how is there also this other secret elite kingdom that mm. we have not known about? What does this mean for us? Is it a threat? Is it an opportunity? So there's a lot at stake here.
4: This might be a question for maybe when we talk about design and production values and all that kind of thing. But mm. why were the Talakun people blue when they were outside of the water but skin-toned when they were in the water? That
3: is – I had actually not – why did it I change? That. The oxygen maybe and how that changed their skin. I don't know. It must have something to do with oxygen or light maybe or a combination of the <gasps> two.
4: I don't know. But their King Namor, mm. who is a mutant, yes. he's very different to all of them. Because he's he, not blue in skin. No. Mm. His skin is is flesh toned. Yes. Yeah, but, so he stays the same, but the rest of them are blue when they're outside of the water. Someone needs to explain that to me, please.
3: Yeah, I mean, maybe they got tips from James Cameron from the Na'vi <laughs> Avatar world.
4: It's very reminiscent of Avatar, mm. don't you think?
3: And funny enough, and you know, you can't make these things up, we have Avatar The Way of Water coming out in you know one month from time of recording mm. right now, which is mainly set about the water Na'vi people. Mm. And then you have this movie, which is unearthing this whole yeah. race of people who Underwater, and they also happen to be blue. Yeah, it's like we're getting like Avatar: Way of Water, you know, part one, and we'll get we'll get part two later this year.
4: One thing that the film has changed from the comic books is the Telicon people in the comic books are actually from Atlantis. Okay, but I think they were thinking that was too similar to Aquaman. uh, Aquaman, and yeah, but also they wanted to root this culture. In a real culture. Yes. You know, Atlantis is a mythical Greek, you know, kingdom. Mm. Yeah, this Talikon nation is based on Mayan culture. So they yes. wanted to root it in real, real things.
3: Yeah, I think they made a, a good decision, the right decision there. Yeah. Because Atlantis comes with all this baggage, preconceived notions, just from you and me and everyone else yeah. watching. So if they ground grounded in their own sort of world heavily inspired by Atlantis, which is fine and that's great, but it it cuts its own path.
4: And taking heavy inspiration from the Mayan cultures and a real culture, which I think was done beautifully.
3: Yes, I really liked that layer.
4: Talking a bit more about the story, because Mm. we're not going to give away any spoilers obviously. Spoiler free. Always spoiler free. But everyone in this film is questioning their place in the world. Mm. Okoye is wondering who she is, if she's not a warrior. Shuri is struggling without her brother and her place in the world. Mm. Ramonda is questioning whether she continues the direction that her son set up and she continues to work with the world who are coming for them. Mm. You know, they're having to protect themselves against world powers who who want vibranium. Yes. Now that they know where it comes from.
3: Because Wakandans outed themselves, right? So now mm. there's all these political tensions Uh, with international governments wanting their vibranium and searching for vibranium, whether it's anywhere else on planet Earth outside of Mm. Wakanda. So that's what they're dealing with here. So they're dealing with grief and loss and finding their own identity in the world that knows who they are and everyone wants a piece of them.
4: And they're doing a good job of fighting it off. Like, I loved that. At the beginning, there's this great scene where Ramonda addresses like a UN kind of thing. (laughs) Seriously. And she parades in all these captured soldiers that they got who were trying to come and get Robrien in from one of their outposts. I mean,
3: very theatrical. But it just positioned them as a powerful nation that you don't mess with.
4: Even without the Black Panther. Yes,
3: that's right. Because they're grappling with that. They've lost their leader and their Mm. protector. But what she's saying is that we can protect ourselves yes. without the Black Panther.
4: And she proves it without a doubt.
3: Yes, she does. Uh,
4: Wakanda is such a beautiful utopia and we get to see a lot more of the city in Don't this film, which is really, really cool. Yeah. And their battle is always about how much of themselves to share with the world and how much to intervene in world events. That's always mm. the overarching question when it comes to Wakanda. Mm. One thing I found really interesting, I was asking myself during the film, wouldn't it be wonderful if if the world's cities were more like Wakanda.
3: Yes, sign me up.
4: Working more with nature rather than against nature. Yes,
3: and that respect. It's the core layer of of their philosophy as as a nation's people. I just want to build on your point earlier where we got to see more of Wakanda, Mm. the community feel, more places visually. It invited us in to really get a sense of who these people are, their community and how they live their lives. I Mm. loved it.
4: The story also introduces us to a couple of new characters. Namor, obviously, being the mutant king of the underwater nation. Mm-hmm. And also Riri, who is Ironheart. Yeah. How did you feel about her introduction?
3: Uh, I was left a little perplexed and confused because I don't think they developed her out enough.
4: Yeah, it was strange to introduce her. It's obvious they're introducing her because she's got she's got her own series coming. Is that? Yes,
3: there's a Disney Plus original series called Ironheart. Right. So they, they didn't. Call her Ironheart in this movie. So it was... Oh, they didn't. No. I don't think so. But it was bizarre because she was crucial to the story. Which she was, we, yeah. W- which we won't reveal here. But she kind of just hovered in the shadows in the background and gave a high five every now and then. Did some cool stuff. And I liked her performance. I liked her character. She was funny. She mm-hmm. was cool. But I was like, "Mm, you're not giving us enough here. They they didn't find that balance right.
4: Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. But it's beginning to suffer, I think, from having to address too many threads and too many characters. You know, Martin Freeman's Everett Ross – for example, is fairly useless in this film. (laughs) I mean, he's in there too for a reason, but it's not much of a reason. Yeah, If you took him out of it, it wouldn't make much difference. It wouldn't make
3: much difference at all. It just added a different voice in there for whatever reason. Uh,
4: Julia louis Dreyfus's Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is also popping up in there. Still as vague as ever. Like most of her appearances have been fairly vague in the MCU, haven't they? But we learn that she holds... A significant position of power.
3: Yes. But what role? Because you and I talked about that after we went... She was the director of something.
4: I do know that, but I'm not going to say because okay. I don't want to spoil it. All right. Because it is important going forward.
3: Okay. Can you t- fill me in <laughs> offline? <laughs> you I'm a little lost.
4: Yeah. But basically she's she's got a lot of power, which is a bit scary for the, when it's setting up the Thunderbolts, I
3: think. Right. Yes, mm. absolutely. As useless or unclear as her character was in this movie she's so good
4: I think that's what Uh, bugs me I want to see more of it I know
3: they're just like uh, sprinkling little teasers (laughs) of her I I can't say her name it's so it's my favorite most ridiculous name. MC Val is that what we're just going to call thank you otherwise I'd stumble over that (laughs) but I just want more every time she shows up and it's just so it's just so mean
4: yeah to tease us
3: tease us with
4: Val yeah Val tease (laughs)
3: Balti, that's it. That's it.
4: So we talk a bit more about the characters and the performances. Yeah, let's go. Start with Queen Ramonda, the top of the food chain, please. Honestly, Angela Bassett is just giving in a trademark powerhouse Mm. performance. She's dealing with grief too, but she's also trying to lead a nation in the absence of a king. Um, She's trying to get her daughter through her grief. She's trying to be a mother. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
3: Which is a great balance here. The the relationship between the Queen and Shuri is just gorgeous in this Mm -hmm. movie. There is so many layers to it. She's trying to lead a nation, battle political tensions and be a mother. And it just shows how women can do that and they can do it sternly and with conviction. Amen. And it's such a beautiful (laughs) performance to see play out. And just more broadly, I love how this movie champions powerful, strong women. They are at the forefront of this movie. And
4: I think that wouldn't have happened if they'd just recast T'Challa.
3: I know. So if you're going to find a positive out of a negative. The positive is how the the women characters have been elevated as yes. a result of the untimely passing of Chadwick.
4: A hundred percent. And mm. Shuri is just at the pinnacle of that as well. Letitia Wright, yes. she's lost the joy that she had in the first film, which is yeah. a bit sad. Mm. You know, the science and the adventure. She starts to get a bit of that back when she explores Namor's undersea world. She gets to take a visit down yes. there to Telokan and that sparks a little bit more joy in her and starts to bring her out of her shell, but she's really struggling through this film.
3: Was bring her out of her shell an <laughs> intended underwater pun?
4: I'm sure there'll be a few more of those slipping <laughs> in as we go.
3: Good. Uh, yeah. I love Shuri. I loved how we saw the human side of Shuri because mm-hmm. we saw the fun, energetic, young, slightly naive, but deeply intelligent scientist in the first one here. She's challenged as a human, as a mm-hmm. princess, as a sister, mm-hmm. as a daughter, what a performance. Incredible. And
4: she's also in position to lead, isn't she? If, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's weighing on her shoulders too. That's, she was never meant to lead. Mm. She was always this spare.
3: And it also shows how grief and loss are handled differently by different people. Yeah. Because she's clearly not coping. Her mother can see it, mm. but she just loses herself in her work and her science and it's a good distraction, but she's not able to heal properly. So a lot of this movie is about helping Jury heal and how she finds that.
4: And a lot of her creativity in her work is stunted too. There's a lot of problems that she can't quite overcome. She's got fear and she's got doubt all plaguing her mind. Which
3: she finds really frustrating because she can usually solve any sort of
4: problem. exactly. Mm. We're also introduced to Namor, as we've mentioned, played by Tino His performance is intense and menacing. But okay, I'm going to reveal something. I found it hard to take him seriously as a character. In what way? It's just... The flitting about with the funny wings on his feet. So the design of the yeah, character was a choice, wasn't it? That
3: was a <laughs> well, choice. Well, I mean, it's
4: the design of the character. He has little wings on his Achilles on both sides of his of his ankles, and he's just so menacing and a formidable character, except for those dainty little wings
3: <laughs> that is on his in.
4: feet. I mean, he moves quite fast with them, and fast. yeah, but it just to me, I found it really amusing. <laughs> and this is also a big deal because it's introducing mutants into the MCU for the first time.
3: Yes. And it's exciting that mutants have been introduced. They've kind of dabbled in the MCU phase four mutants here, assumed knowledge here, yada, yada. But this is the first fully fledged
4: character that, character was had that, mm-hmm. that,
3: that is a mutant. So that's exciting. Yeah, look, the little um, Ach- Achilles wings, <laughs> they didn't. You're doing
4: like little flitty I hand am, movements am, every time. So I'm very Spirit fingers. Spirit fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Spirit ankles.
3: Spirit ankles. That's <laughs> it. Namor's spirit ankles. For some reason, they didn't bother me. They intrigued me. I liked how he moved through the air.
4: Your husband, Josh, was sitting next to me and the both of us were in fits of giggles every time he was flitting about. Oh, was he? There, was, there were a couple, There were a couple of moments where Josh and I were having a little giggle at some things and it was usually when Namor was on the
3: screen. I did not <laughs> notice any of that. I should separate you next time. No, but there was one moment where they jump off the back of a humpback whale onto oh, yeah. a bridge. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And Josh, I was so embarrassed. He reacted so viscerally. He burst out laughing. I did too. Do you remember that moment? So it was both of you together. It
4: just looks quite funny it's not meant to i don't think it's meant to be quite impressive but yeah the, like yes. this giant whale just goes woo, yeah. out of the hudson or something yeah, on a
3: city bridge yeah <laughs>
4: and these people come flying off the top of it and the woo. whale's just like see you later
3: <laughs> yeah okay look i didn't find it funny until Josh we need burst to out laughing.
4: we need to get to a fight let's catch a whale <laughs> <laughs> humpy you're up <laughs> Look, it's not meant to be funny. It's not. But for some reason, it just hit me wrong. I don't know why.
3: Look, you have to suspend belief or disbelief or whatever the expression is because we're talking about...
4: Of course. ...comic
3: book movies here. Of
4: course. Mm. It's just I don't usually react like that in comic book movies. I get into it. But something about that took me out of it.
3: Okay, yeah, fair enough.
4: And the blue skin. I was like, why have they got blue skin? (sighs) Outside of the water, but not inside the water. I did not get it. It was really plaguing me throughout the whole film.
3: Gosh, I need answers for this too. Another thing that took me out of it. Now, we've we've been really championing this movie in terms of its themes and its performances and everything. But man, oh, manly, I I have to call out my elephant in the room, Mm -hmm. which is this movie was so long. Yes. Oh, my God. I felt every minute of the two hours and 41 minutes. Oh, really? Despite all these amazing layers to this, I found it was so overbloated from a story perspective. The right. pace was all over the shop and yeah. I, I I couldn't focus. How did you feel about the length and the pace? I'll
4: agree with you there. It didn't drag on too much for me, but as mm-hmm. I said there were moments where I was coming out of it and I wasn't. People are really raving about this film being even better than the first one. I, oh, I don't, don't think so.
3: No, it's miles away from the first one. It's
4: very different also to yes. the first one and yeah. I think in terms of the themes and the story they've mm-hmm. done a really really good job Look, but they had such a challenge on their hands
3: they had to rework the entire story and trajectory they did of yeah. not only the black panther timeline but then how that feeds into everything else associated mm-hmm. with the mcu so you can be critical to a certain extent, which I am, and you know as we discuss further. But they did the best that they could do. I honestly yes. feel that.
4: Yes, and they've delivered an entertaining film, mm. except you felt every second of it.
3: Yeah, no, I I was begging for something more to happen. I was suffering under the weight of exposition and mm. just characters coming and going. We've already mentioned about Riri and how uh, mm. undercooked she was. Like, yeah, that, that was a misfire. I want
4: to call out a couple more characters just yeah. before we move on. Yeah, for sure. M'Baku. Mm. played by Winston Duke. I'm really enjoying his character.
3: He was a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah, and
4: I'm liking the direction they're taking him. His development was fantastic. Winston Duke's a great actor. I think they've done a really good job and I liked where they took him in this film.
3: A lot of the characters in this movie mature and he's certainly one of them that has matured as a leader and how they interact and communicate with one another. So. And Winston Duke is just a wonderful actor to take you on that journey.
4: And he really gets his moment at the end. Yes. Which is really cool. Yes. Nakia, played by Lupita Nyong'o, has been absent from the Wakandan world for quite a few years, six or seven years. Because the
3: blip was five years and then it's been a year since T'Challa died. So six years before we see her again.
4: And she doesn't come back for his funeral. No. Uh, We don't find out the reason why. Until very late in the film.
3: Like right at the end, even partly the mid-credit scene.
4: Yes, the partly the mid-credit scene, which I did not enjoy. No.
3: no. I can't say
4: why, but I just feel like it was really too obvious and too phoned in and too manipulative.
3: Manipulative is a strong word, but I hear you on that. I just think it was completely unnecessary. I don't think the story needed it.
4: I think I can see why they've done it. Mm. And the Mm. cynical brain in me is going, it's for commercial purposes so they can further this story. not going to say- Welcome to the
3: MCU. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And
4: that- you're right, disappointed though. me. It yeah. really disappointed me. I was like, oh, Which okay. cuts deeper
3: when you're disappointed by a, a choice within the story. Mm. Mm.
4: I think they wanted it to be a nice little touch at the end. And it's really hard to talk about this without yeah. giving anything away. We don't want to spoil it because it's quite a big spoiler. Yes. But definitely stay for the mid-credits scene mm. and see what you think.
3: Because then for me, not to labour on this too long because we can't actually mention, as we've already said... But it just added another layer to the story that was unnecessary in its over bloated two hours, 40 minute runtime. I thought, so what is this? What does this mean? What have we just watched? Does it change everything? Like, I, Well,
4: I mean, those are the kind of questions you do ask when you mm. see the mid credit scenes because mm. it teases for what's coming. You don't yeah. know what's coming. Mm. But I think it soured the whole sentiment of the film. Yeah. That's a good way because of they did it. a beautiful job of leaving it where it was, and it's a lovely ode to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. And then they kind of just went yeah too far, popped the balloon. It they was, yeah. they
3: must have toyed with that choice for a long time. Yeah. It felt tacked on as well.
4: Yeah. As a result. And as of that. I said, I know why they did it. It's a commercial mm. reason, and yeah. that disappoints me.
3: Well, look, we'll just sit tight and see how it plays out, shall we? <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about
4: the action and the stunts in the film, which is incredible. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to pull off fight scenes involving water. Really, really difficult. And to make it look logical
3: mm. and exciting.
4: Yes. I think they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah. With that, how did you feel about the action?
3: I th- Yeah, water's hard. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it is really hard.
3: But what, what did filmmakers say? Don't work with animals, children or f- or water. Like mm. don't film in and around water. You think of Titanic, you think of the challenges with Avatar, you think of Waterworld, just mm. all these films that are based in and around water, it's an utter disaster. So yeah. it, I'm curious to understand what challenges they found from a production perspective with this, but – it did such a good job at demonstrating the power of water mm. in the fight scenes and how the people used water as weapons. Yes. So that was really cool to see play out in the action sequences.
4: It's always exciting as well to see the Dora Milaje in action. Oh. Akoye, so cool. She's so cool.
3: Honestly, watching these women kick ass and look really fucking good while doing it is yeah. just such a good thing feeling and experience we're, for an audience. We didn't
4: really talk about Denai Guerrero when we were talking about mm. the characters and performances, but she turns in a really beautiful performance too. Yeah. Her character goes through some really pivotal changes and come to Jesus moments mm. And her performance during those times was just stunning.
3: It was really unexpectedly emotional, this movie, which sounds silly because we went in this knowing Mm. about dealing with the death of T'Challa, but there's so many other things going on with other characters that hold so much weight and tension. And her story arc is certainly one of them.
4: Yep, and it leans the needle more in the sadness side. Like there's a Mm. lot of hope and fight in this film too, Mm. but the balance is definitely towards the sad. So if that's not what you're prepared for going in, it can be quite hard watching, I Mm. think.
3: Yeah, because grief is something that a lot of us can – relate with yes and so it can i would imagine it would be triggering for some so that's Mm. something to know going into this movie because you've not seen an mcu movie like this one
4: no definitely not Mm. and the thing is when you're watching a movie like that normally towards the end you might get a nice wrap up it might lift up in hope or you might get the roller coasters of emotions that bring Mm. you out of that grief for a moment Mm. but it's ever present in this film which is Tough watching. And
3: that played into the imbalance in the story and the pacing for me because it didn't seem to want to move on from the sadness. It kept bringing you back.
4: But they couldn't. I can see why they couldn't. You can't throw in some lighthearted humour Because which
3: they did and tried, they did some sometimes,
4: but Mm. you really can't move the needle too far the other way because it'll be seen as disrespectful.
3: Yes, what a challenge they they really had a tough time with this film. So much respect, really.
4: Do you want to talk about the CGI and the design for a second? Mm. There's been some criticism of the CGI. The film's quite dark.
3: Yes, especially underwater.
4: And I've seen people talking about that. It's to hide the bad CGI. I didn't <laughs> notice that.
3: I had no real qualms with the CGI. I no. thought it was really strong. And there's a lot of ir- practical in camera stuff, especially with the water.
4: The whale jumping out of the whale.
3: <laughs> okay. <They> did No <laughs> real whales were used in the making of Black Panther <laughs> or God of a River. Her free Willy was not <laughs> pulled out of retirement.
4: That's what it was. It was a free Willy moment. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Holy Um, shit Yeah That is so true uh, but there was one moment of CGI that took me out of the movie. When Namor is giving a speech underwater, he looked completely CGI and his mouth was moving really weird. Oh, and okay. I was like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. I found that odd. It didn't look like the actor.
4: I did want to talk about the underwater city and how it looked in general. Like production mm. design-wise, That it was incredible. Yeah, um, in so terms rich. of CGI and stuff, it doesn't come across as very vibrant no. on screen. And maybe they were going for more realistic.
3: Because they're deep underwater.
4: Yeah, but I think it needs to be heightened in a comic book movie. Like you I can agree. go for realism, but you've definitely got to lift at that level. Yeah, because
3: the glowworm Cave was beautifully vibrant and colourful mm. and the markings of, of Namor telling stories over the years that he's been alive, you know, those blues mm. coming through and those golds. But yeah, when you're down in the kingdom, it's very like dark green. You don't see the – like when you compare it to Wakanda, it's like – vibrant and beautiful and they don't shy away from how this looks aesthetically and mm. it's stunning. And then you compare it to Namur's World and it doesn't excite you as much as Wakanda and I think that was a misstep.
4: Yeah, production designer Hannah Beach—they actually developed a 400-page guide for Talakan and how it should look which is the incredible amount of work and detail that went into this
3: i'd love to see that
4: yeah it's insane but it's sad also that that wasn't coming through on the screen maybe because Mm. of how it was lit or the cgi that's a bit of a shame
3: look it just goes to show the challenges of working in and around water be it real or cgi Mm. in filmmaking it's hard to get it right
4: yeah The costuming is done by Oscar winner Ruth Carter, who did the original Black Panther.
3: Mm.
4: Namor's headdress, I just want to call that out for a second because that is beautiful. It's actually made of kelp and his costuming had shells and beads, all these really authentic touches that looked great when he was underwater, like when he's descending onto his throne. What's kelp? (laughs) Seaweed.
3: Oh, oh, there you go. (laughs) Kind of seaweed. Learn something new every day.
4: Okay. It just flows so beautifully in yeah. the water and it's just massive. Because normally I guess it would be like a feather headdress or some kind of really big, vibrant mm. creation. But underwater you need something that moves under the water and it's totally. beautiful.
3: Well, kelp um, is perfect, <laughs> isn't it, like for that?
4: Kelp is in your back.
3: Can I call out one costume? I can't say what it was or who wears it or anything like that. <laughs> So well, then
4: no, you can't call it out. <laughs> nice one, Tim.
3: <laughs> nice one. Uh, but it was set up constantly, consistently throughout the film as being a bit of a joke, this costume. Oh. And then when you saw it in motion, it's right at the end. When you saw it in motion, oh, I, was, yes. I was lost. It was like the free willy moment for me. I thought it looked utterly ridiculous. It's a
4: big costume reveal. Every one of these Marvel movies has a big costume change reveal. Like there's a tweak to the costume. Yeah. This one is a lesser known costume and character yeah i'd never heard of it either never heard of it but yeah i know what you're talking about it was but in action it was quite
3: weird bizarre i i honestly like i don't want to see it again because <laughs> it just looks so stupid and the characters that wear it they deserve better than that fucking costume i think
4: what that's setting up is elevating these characters for further adventures yeah
3: good i want them more they had such a great platform in this film but Oh, with that look, I mean, <laughs> come on. Well,
4: they'll change it for the next film. They're always tweaking the costumes. Yes,
3: and that's fine. And oh, I'm thankful for that.
4: Because
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I was not on board. How funny.
4: <laughs> Shall we wrap up our review of Black Panther Wakanda mm. Forever?
3: Yeah, let's do it. So, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is deep and emotional, but I've touched on that it lacks urgency and cohesion in its story. It has done its best with an impossible task and in finding a new anchor to the story while progressing the narrative and its world building. But its biggest enemy is its runtime, bloated story and its uneven pace. Despite its triumphs in amazing performances and design it failed to excite me and left me feeling a bit underwhelmed and once again just a little bit bitter towards the MCU uh, Mm -hmm. and what it's doing with Phase 4. Bitter. Bitter. A little bitter. A little bitter bitch at the moment with Marvel, but that's fine, I'll be fine, don't worry. Uh, so, I'm going to rate Black Panther Wakanda Forever three popcorn kernels out of five.
4: Oh, there you go. There is so much sadness and sacrifice in this sequel, but also a lot of heart and a lot of fight. I don't think it's the best MCU film ever, and it definitely doesn't surpass the original for me, but the filmmakers handled the absence of Chadwick Boseman in a respectful way that honours what he built in the original. The base storyline follows a familiar formula in asking our heroes, Who do you want to be and what do you stand for? Fans of the MCU will love this wrap-up of Phase 4, but it's very different in its sensitive exploration of community grief. I'm going to give it three and a half popcorn kernels out of five.
3: Beautiful wrap-up, Lee. Well, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is in Australian cinemas from November 10.
4: All right, Tim, our favourite night of the year leads the news and trailer section this week. You're yeah, doing boy, a little yeah, dance boy, yeah, boy, yeah, boy. With Jimmy Kimmel confirmed as host of the 2023 Oscars. Yeah. This marks his third time hosting Hollywood's Night of Nights after taking the coveted gig in 2017 and 2018. The 2022 ceremony saw Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes and Regina Hall at the helm to mixed reviews.
3: Now, you said something good here. These women that mm. hosted the Oscars this year, great comedians in their own right, yes. but didn't quite work together didn't as a Didn't gel
4: together. They need one host, I need think.
3: one host. I completely agree. Well, in a statement, Kimmel said, being invited to host the Oscars for a third time is either a great honour or a trap. Either way, I'm grateful to the Academy for asking me so quickly after everyone good said <laughs> No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I can't actually remember what Jimmy Kimmel was like as a host. I don't Neither. generally love his comedic style. I don't watch his show very much.
3: I only watch it in snippets when it pops up on yeah. you know, Instagram or TikTok or whatever. I
4: prefer Jimmy Fallon. O- I love over Jimmy Fallon. I know a lot of people find him insufferable though, but oh <laughs> I do prefer oh his entertaining no. style.
3: Yeah, I'm with you.
4: So the 95th Academy Awards will take place on March 12, 2023, in Los Angeles at the Dolby Theatre, and we can see it here in Australia around midday on Monday, March 13.
3: Now this is where I have to figure out whether I take an annual leave day, so I watch it live, <laughs> or completely do it. We have to watch myself. it together.
4: We never get to watch it together. I
3: know. I used to have I know. parties. I used to invite people around to watch it yeah, together. I, one of
4: my friends, Lynn, shout out to the Content Bite, has an Oscars party. But it's always in the evening and I would just have to watch it when it happens.
3: <laughs> I go off grid. Yeah. I don't go on social media all day. It is my favourite day of the year. It's also the most stressful day of the year for me because information is everywhere. You cannot avoid it. So, mm. But somehow, more often than not, I go into the Oscars not knowing a single winner. right? And I find out in that moment. James Cameron, he may revise his Avatar franchise ambitions down to just three (laughs) (laughs) films like swimming underwater. I'm doing
4: a backpedal. I'm doing a backstroke.
3: (laughs) 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 He's backstroking. He's backstroking. So he may revise his franchise ambitions for Avatar if The Way of Water doesn't do well at the box office the original plan has the continued story of pandora and the navi people told across five films with cameron shooting avatar 3 back to back with avatar 2 and he's also done some shooting for avatar 4 already as well yeah
4: that'll be a waste if he doesn't continue on
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) can imagine just having all this content for a film that will never get released thanks for everyone
4: sorry (laughs) about that thanks bye in well i mean Look at the Batgirl movie. They made the whole movie and it didn't even get released. That sucks for them. So upset about that. So salty. In a recent interview with Total Film Magazine, Cameron said, the market could be telling us we're done in three months or we might be semi-done, meaning, okay, let's complete the story within movie three and not go on endlessly if it's just not profitable. Well, I, he's, he's practical.
3: I love his language, we just go on endlessly. He's like, I'm <laughs> going to go on endlessly with Avatar to five movies. So. Maybe
4: he's also thinking that he said he would not probably direct the last two films because he would be older, he wants to do other projects. So maybe yes, that's factoring that's right. in as well. He's
3: backpedaling constantly. Constantly about (laughs) this franchise that he's he's nurtured "Mm, for so long. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Well, he also said, James Cameron, we're in a different world now than we were when I wrote this stuff. It's the one-two punch, the pandemic and streaming. Or conversely, maybe we'll remind people what going to the theatre is all about. This film definitely does that. The question is, how many people give a shit now?
4: (laughs) That's a question we've been asking on the podcast for quite a long time.
3: That is the noise around the Avatar sequels in general. Do people care anymore?
4: But we hope that everyone will go to the theatre to watch it. We love the cinema experience as we go on and on about.
3: And we recently went to see Avatar on the big screen again with its its small re-release, which made a considerable amount of money again for a re-release from a movie that came out in 2009. And... I was so happy to be there back in Pandora. Mm, I'm really excited for the next one.
4: Well, we don't have long to wait to learn the fate of the Avatar franchise with The Way of Water hitting Aussie cinemas on December 15.
3: Lee, The Whale released its official trailer this week starring Brendan Fraser and directed by Darren Aronofsky. It follows Charlie, a reclusive English teacher, played by Fraser, suffering from severe obesity who attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption.
4: The film also so stars Sadie Sink as the daughter and Ty Simpkins' Hong Chow and Samantha Morton. Its premiere earlier this year at the Venice Film Festival saw Brendan Fraser in tears as he was given a standing ovation for his performance and it's tipped to get him his first Oscar nomination.
3: We are manifesting the shit out of this. I would love that for him. He's like... Your guy, right? <laughs> oh, Fraser. yeah. you love I him. I love
4: Brendan Fraser, yeah.
3: We love him. Lee, so the trailer doesn't reveal much, which is definitely a rarity these days with trailers. Yeah. Are you looking forward to seeing oh, this? A
4: 100%. I can't yeah. wait to see it. We don't know exactly when the Australian release date is yet. I've been mm. checking in with Mad Men Films. Yeah. They said it's early next year. Okay. but. Can't quite reveal an official date yet.
3: So John Wick's spin-off ballerina starring Anna De Armas, started production this week with some exciting announcements about the project confirmed as well.
4: I love seeing her in action roles. She's very good in action roles. She was roles. so
3: good in No Time to Die. She was. She was in it but for a fleeting moment and oh, it was beautiful. Yep. Loved it.
4: De Armas will be joined by familiar faces from the Wick franchise including Ian McShane who plays Winston, the manager of the Continental Hotel and the one and only Keanu Reeves as Wick himself.
3: How good is that? I love that. Love it. So, Ballerina follows a young assassin who seeks revenge against the people who killed her family and is directed by Len Wiseman with John Wick Chapter 3
4: Parabellum, co-writer Shay Hatton, penning the script. And speaking of the John Wick franchise, we got a new trailer for John Wick Chapter 4 this week. It looks pretty damn exciting, doesn't it? Oh my God. So good.
3: I love this franchise so much. (laughs) Yeah, the action's incredible. So wild. In chapter four, John Wick, played by Reeves, uncovers a path to defeating the high table. But before he can earn his freedom, Wick must face off against a new enemy with powerful alliances across the globe and forces that turn old friends into foes.
4: The latest installment in this popular franchise also stars Donnie Yen, Bill Skarsgård, Lawrence Fishburne and Ian McShane, and is expected in Aussie cinemas in March of 2023. It's great to see Lawrence Fishburne in there.
3: Yes. Reuniting
4: with Keanu Reeves.
3: Morpheus and Neo. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Snoop Dogg's life story is coming to screen with a biopic about the rapper and business mogul announced this week as well. I'm
4: down to watch this. I don't
3: know any of his music. I just know he's a bit of a quirky dude, and he made a reality TV show that was a bit wild.
4: You've seen him in some film roles.
3: Yeah, what he's shown up in. Sarsky and Hutch. That's right. Yeah.
4: That's the only anyone that's coming to mind right now. There are others. There are others. In a statement, Snoop Dogg said, I waited a long time to put this project together because I wanted to choose the right director, the perfect writer and the greatest movie company I could partner with that could understand the legacy that I'm trying to portray on screen and the memory I'm trying to leave behind. It was the perfect marriage. It was holy matrimony, not holy macaroni. <laughs>
3: There are some great quotes from people in our (laughs) episode this week. So the film will be directed by Alan Hughes of The Book of Eli fame with Black Panther Wakanda Forever co-writer Joe Robert Cole to pen the script.
4: Snoop Dogg, whose real name is Calvin Cordoza Broadus Jr., shot to fame in the early 90s West Coast rap scene with albums Doggy Style and The Dogfather. (laughs) (laughs) He created a media and business empire as an actor DJ, media personality, and entrepreneur with vested interests in technology, global consumer brands, food and beverage industries, and of course, cannabis. Like,
3: I I didn't know he was such a mogul like this. Really?
4: How do you not know these things? I don't
3: know. I don't listen to rap music. Look,
4: I'm not a massive fan of his work. I mean, I do enjoy some of his music, but Mm. yeah, I'm very aware of who he is and what he does.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, this sounds like a pretty interesting story to hit the big screen. I'll be keen to see it. Maybe I'm a little more interested now.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it for another episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. We covered Black Panther, Wakanda Forever.
3: Which you can catch in Australian cinemas from November 10. And as always, friends, thank you so much for listening.
4: We'll catch you next time.
3: If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.